This is Timestamp, the podcast dedicated to capturing this moment in time. I'm Amy Breslow. Today's episode, Breaking the Silence. My guest today is Adam, who identifies as an Asian American. So ever since COVID happened, I saw so many uh, racial attacks on the Asian community, which makes it difficult to read sometimes, especially since uh, I live in Washington, D.C., and I experienced some, but not much, not not a lot compared to the uh, Asians living in the West Coast. It's a difficult thing that I that I want to talk about at times, but it's hard. It's hard because it's it's a fine line between racism and today's like current movement with like police brutality and everything. I'm not politically as educated, but uh, so I'm coming from like a normal person standpoint. I'm not I'm not afraid to admit that in, in the beginning of, of the president's term, in this way, in the way he uh. He went against China, and I actually supported that because I'm from Hong Kong, and uh, seeing Hong Kong being tear apart was uh, was quite saddening for for me. Until that day when uh when the president decided to say uh kung flu on on the air, it, it was gonna it was actually disheartening because uh it I just it just brings back all the memories I have growing up in uh in Southern Maryland where I was the only Chinese kid in the whole neighborhood. It was like 99.9% uh, white and maybe like 0.0001% black. And then there's me. So of course, as a young kid, you get teased quite strongly by everybody. People would say, you know, like uh, Chink, White Eye, Jackie Chan, Fish Face. And all that normally comes from the media, from movies, and just like what people have or assumptions of what Chinese people are like. And always not, and mostly not in a good light. Kids, like younger kids, are just not that friendly anyway. So they will use that to bully me. And growing up, that, that affects me slightly because I have no way to speak out as the only Asian person in town. If I were to say anything, it doesn't really mean much. But thankfully, uh, adults were actually pretty, when they see it, 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 it stops it. But that's because I went to a Catholic school system and where you know, the teachers and the principals are always actively monitoring everybody, which is great. Now, compared to my friend's, in public school systems back in the day, uh, it wasn't the same. You know, the teachers just don't have those time to like monitor everything. So they get teased and they come home. And the only similarity we have that we stay silent. We don't talk about it much. Proceeding to today's society with social media, how fast the uh, internet is uh, directs news immediately. The word come flu probably travels at a one million, one, repeats one million times second to every to every single household in, in the United States. And when I think about that, I see all these young Asian kids in many parts of the neighborhood. It could be a wealthy neighborhood. It could be a, pro- a neighborhood in the, in the projects. It really doesn't matter. When, when younger kids hear it, the word come flu, it gives them a permission to make fun of other Asian kids or kids that look Asian. It doesn't matter if they're likely they are Asian. They just give kids a, a permission to make fun of other kids while they're still at school. Because if the current standing president can say stuff like that, then of course we can say stuff like that, right? Using a racial remark is definitely not appropriate and especially not appropriate for for our president of the United States. 
when my parents came to the United States in the late seventies, you know, things were always very friendly. You know, they 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 couldn't speak the language well. Basically, they didn't know what was exactly going on. All they knew was that they needed to, uh, to survive. And when they came here, they worked their way up. Well, my my parents specifically, they started in the uh, in like a very I'm assuming dangerous part of New York City in the seventies. So I know they experienced some sort of racism. You know, as they build their wealth, they slowly start owning their own business, and then slowly moved away from that area, and then eventually into DC, and, and, and eventually into the suburbs. What I remember the most is when my mom and the women in the restaurants, the customer would say something quite inappropriate to us. My mom would just stay silent for a bit, and she would never talk about it, and she just say thank you, uh, thank you, give them his order, and you know, do the exchange, and they all thank you. But she would ignore all that, and she wouldn't talk about it. And same with my dad, she wouldn't talk about any type of racial remark. My dad would just stay silent. And so one day, eventually, as I grew up, I asked my parents, so all these racial remarks that our customers give us sometimes, not not a lot, this is like one out of every thousand customer. It's, again, people were generally pretty friendly to us, especially in Southern Maryland. So that was that was like maybe about 1% of the clientele. But, you know, 1% adds up eventually throughout the years. And then uh, finally, I asked my parents, how come we never really speak up? And uh, how come we just kind of let it go? The way she said it in Chinese was that we walk into someone's backyard to make a life of our own. So we need to like just stay strong. Almost we have we almost have to like gain their approval and gain their respect without trying to be intrusive. We walk into someone else's country, so we have to res- gain that respect from that person or from that people, and slowly, slowly make something of ourselves. And yes, eventually they did. You know, they did. They did well for themselves, moving to the neighborhood. Or again, predominantly those people that were that were kind of against them at first. But uh, that staying silent part, I believe, is so. It's I think that's past my generation. At least not my, my at least my brother, and my sister. They were born here, so technically, you know, they are American. Where I am, I was born in Hong Kong, and I don't believe that I walk into someone's backyard anymore. And I don't believe my my brother, and my sister, walk into someone's backyard. And I believe that we're we're a stable United States. We're we're 100% American, and with today's society, uh, what I'm pretty happy about right now is that uh, our generation right now is using social media platform to, to show that silence is what's pressing us, is what's keeping us down, keeping us from voting, actually, keeping us from saying something. And now our generation is using many platforms to, quote-unquote, expose all the uh, Asian racism, Asian hate crimes from all communities in the world, from Canada, from the United States, from Europe, and, and from all different ethnicity groups. So this is something I'm pretty proud about, but it's something that uh, even though it becomes a contradiction with family like my mom and dad and then and my uncles and aunties and then generation of people our age, and when they see us exposing all this truth, they're scared. They're like, well, if you're, if you're going to go against so many people, aren't you afraid that when you walk out to the public, they're going to go against you? Because, for instance, me walking... In DC right now, I probably, I'm probably the only—I want to say the only Asian person—but I'd be like one against at least 20 people. My parents are like, "If you if you were to speak up, how are you going to defend yourself against X amount of people?" I guess what they don't understand is that they don't see themselves as a fully American just yet. Whereas I see myself American. I don't see skin color. I just see I just see American talking to another American. Whereas they see they're still stepping in someone's backyard, talking to the owner of the uh, of the front yard. So I think that's the biggest gap right now in our society. 
this current atmosphere, uh, I know how difficult it is for people to speak up. But, but as I mentioned before, uh, I think people, you know, Koreans, Chinese, Vietnamese, Philippines, you know, or just anybody of color that's in the United States, even though we're American, that we need to speak up more. We need to go out and vote. Because right now, I, I know so many of the last generations of Asian Americans from all cultures who are just not voting. And they come from all all wealth groups. Some are like, you know, everyday people and some are the super wealthies. And some of them are just, I want to say, they don't care about politics as much because they think they can't make a difference at all. And I believe they can. This is like my views of it right now. Of course, more and more people this year are voting and I'm, I'm happy for that. But the last generation, even my parents' generation, even my parents are just like, if we vote, there's not much of a difference we can make. Someone still won't speak out for us. But I, but I told them that, you know, if all people from your generation vote, someone will eventually speak up for everybody, especially for, like, you guys in general, right? So without them doing that, they will always believe that silence is the way to go. And uh, again, like I mentioned before, it's, it's not the way to go. And, and I'm glad that my generation is taking initiative, making it very well aware that uh, Asian hate crimes are are there and it happens every single day and it's this we just can't stay silent anymore and that we need to find issues kind of like how the uh the blm movement is there to solve police brutality you know african-american and other racial groups hate crimes and no inequality so we need to be more active and be a part of that even more so than ever now and especially with the current situation at hand with our president you know, uh, to me, he sounds pretty, pretty racist, and uh, he tries not to, but he is racist. And even uh, the people like me in general, who uh, right now I'm taking, uh, talking to you, telling people that you need to vote so racial hate crimes don't happen as often. As you know, I'm a, I'm a hairstylist in DC. Been doing hair for about 12 years. And I kind of fell into it, right? I kind of fell into it. And I think that when you saw me last time, I woke up that one morning and I realized that I really want to continue doing this for a living. I'm an introvert. And so for me to like, walk, I wake up every day. I love all my clients and they're 99.9% are super friendly to me. And, you know, we all have similar views in life. And, uh, but for me to get up every morning, go up and, you know, and start socializing every day, like I have to bring out this, I pretend to be an extrovert when I'm at work cutting hair. Cutting hair is actually pretty easy, but it's the uh, social part that uh, I had to create this extrovert personality, which 12 years of practicing, it kind of becomes part of you, but it takes 20 times as much energy as cutting hair and asking myself how I can help, like how I can speak up for like, for instance, how I can speak up for my parents. And I'm just trying right now, I might as well use some of that fake extrovert energy, I, that, that fake persona I, I have right now to kind of put it to good use and see if I can, like, from what, all the issues that we're talking about, how I can use it to, like, express myself, help other people express themselves, have a, and just talk about it more often. And right now, I'm at loss. I don't know what to do. I, I mean, I'm just a hairstylist, so I'm just figuring out how I can help, help the, help, like, kind of, like, help the Asians in general, uh, you know, with, with hate crimes and how I can, like, just acknowledge people and help, the, help them stand up and help them say something. So yeah, so it's not really a career change, but you know, it's something that keeps me focused when I wake up in the morning. And when clients ask me about it, I do talk about it. And 
that helps in regards of it helps my day go on and it helps that I help me think that I'm helping the world in some type of way. Everybody say they're not racist, but you know, sometimes deep inside you, there's always something that just ticks you off, you know, and it's something that, that you just want to say out loud. And before this administration, no matter how much how much hate you have in there, you'll always tell yourself that there's good in it. You always want to suppress it, and you always you want to make sure it never comes out. And you, as you mature in life, that little angry voice in you will slowly disappear, and they'll become and that angry voice will be convinced that that, that it's wrong, that you should not be saying it. You should you should see everybody as equals. Uh, skin color doesn't should not make a difference. And but now the current administration, what this person says all the time, it that voice, that little tiny angry voice in you, and every, I believe everybody has it somehow, somewhere, in some place in their mind or in their heart. It it, it like gives it a, like a surge of power, and that voice just sometimes just comes out. And all these, even in all the, when that voice comes out. It comes out in different ways. Some people say it verbally. Some people act physically. Even to people who are, for instance, who are currently standing up for a racial movement, become a racist themselves. Makes a tension between good and evil. Blurs the line almost. And something for me, like even last year when I was when I was walking downtown, this woman almost cut me off. And of course, I, uh, of course, I said some X Y Z. You know, watch where the f you're going. The windows scroll down, and it's a person of color. And he's like, well, you should get off the road, you chink. And I just looked at her. I was like, well, I'm a person of color, too. And how does that help you and I? Especially when the current this current movement is happening right now. We shouldn't be saying stuff. You can say something like, hey, get off the road, you asshole. Or, you know, something like that. But the word chink doesn't have to be in there. All I said was, hey, watch where the F you're going. And then you could just say, hey, watch where you're going, asshole. But once you add the word chink in there, all the things that I'm fighting for, like along with the BLM movement, with all like racial indiscriminacy, it makes me want to lash back out at you and say the wrong words. But thankfully, I didn't, because I, I know, I think I know better, and I, I try to act upon it, and I let it go. And incidents like this turns people bad at times. And this administration is almost accelerating this process, and that's why. That's why I'm so adamant on telling everybody that they need to vote because if it continues going on, everybody's little angry voice in them will just like blow up and it'll, it'll engulf you. It'll turn you pretty bad. It's like a very bad case of road rage. I mean, you don't drive, you don't have road rage, right? So now the administration is giving you a bunch of, giving you a car of angry people all around you. And road rage is going to come out no matter what. And yeah, so I think voting this year is. I've never been more important than ever. And, and to be honest, I actually never care about voting. I did it because my friend told me to, but this year I did it because, uh, because I feel it. I, uh, I know now I tell my parents when they, uh, when they walk out on the streets, I mean, they live in a nice neighborhood, but I tell them even when you walk on the street, just keep your eyes open because you never know who's going to come out, come out and lash at you. You know, just this color of our skin right now will make it fairly dangerous because with the with the virus happening, everybody blames they blame China, right? But blaming China also indirectly if you're already blaming China how bad it is, you're already indirectly blaming all the Asian people around you that have that looks Chinese. So uh, I tell my parents that when you walk out, just be careful. A little little scared for them at times because of what's happening right now. Um, 
my final words is uh, be good. You know, stay uh, stay true to your heart and try to see everybody's equals. Because right now, uh, everybody thinks they're more superior than the other just based off their skin color, based off their wealth, based off where they live. Uh, we're all human, and we all need to eat. You know, we all have to take showers. We all have someone to be loved for and cared for, though. So we should, uh, no matter what you stand for in the political world, that we should just kind of stay true to stay true to ourselves. And treat others with respect, and I don't want I don't want my kids to grow up in, in this type of situation or this type of you know, negativity. And hopefully, we'll get through this. Thanks for listening. Timestamp is produced by me, Amy Breslow, with IT support from Alex Moreno and original music by Maddie Schuler. You can find us at timestamppodcast.com and can subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be back in one or two weeks with the next episode. Until then, take care and be well.